When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are tuned in to the Foul Weather Podcast, the forecast to your next successful hunt. Coming to you from the home office, Jack's Reef, New York. What's the last day for ducks to migrate south? Hunting on the Big Thaw this coming week? Some cool info on backpack telemetry tracking of ducks? All that in your migration forecast on this week's episode of the Foul Weather Podcast. We thank our every week listeners. You know who you are. Those that never miss a single migration forecast each Monday morning. Y'all are as ate up as me about ducks, duck biology, and duck migration. You know where the ducks are at before the ducks know where they're at. You know where those ducks are at before the ducks know where they're at. Our dedicated weekly listeners can pick the best days to hunt because the Foul Weather Podcast forecasts fresh ducks. Hot from the north, or maybe this week a reshuffling of birds that hunkered down. Shoot the ducks from the north, or those that came out from hunkering down, before they know where they're at. I'm your host, Dr. Mike, coming to you from the home office in Jack's Reef. It might be foreign to some, but we finally have, or better yet, barely have, safe ice for ice fishing but we hit the 30s and 40s again later this week at the farm, and that ice will disappear from many areas. Ugh, just been a boring, warm, warm winter for us here so far. Hey, also a quick update about our Yellow Lab Jaeger and her liver issue. If you're just catching up with us, earlier in the year we reported that one of our dogs had high ALT liver values, Um, And we were trying to track down the cause. It's basically the idea is um, those kind of may indicate that uh, liver cells are being used faster than they're being regenerated. So at some point, you know, ALT values really, really high are kind of liver failure. Um, She was nowhere near that, right? But we had some retired veterinarians reach out to us with advice, and we really greatly appreciate our, our fellow duck hunting veterinarians for that. We did end up having to take her in for a liver biopsy. Uh, which she recovered from like a like a champ. She's been asymptomatic the entire time, so no real physical problems. And she hunted all fall right to the end uh, when we froze up. Nearly had you know a hundred retrieves this year, and uh, six years old, little maybe a little six and a half, and she's just crushing it right now. So we hope really to keep her with us. But um, they did detect that she has a clot in her liver and a dead spot. We're not quite sure what that has to do with. But she also has these high copper values, whether that clot and dead spot in the liver is part of that or not, we're not sure. But we're dealing right now with those um, high copper values. And I'll, I'll get into that here and tell folks what that basically means. There's a disease common in female labs um, that can show up around age five or six. Uh, you can kind of detect it with a senior blood panel, which is how we caught it. We, we caught those high ALT values. Um, and then to understand if it was a copper issue, we had to have the biopsy where they took 
uh, small chunks from throughout the liver to look at what those those copper values um, are. So what this copper thing is, is some dogs, just because of their genetic makeup, can't purge copper from their bodies without medical help, um, and it can become toxic and kill the liver and the dog at some point. And so this is likely what's happening in Jaeger. So we now have her on medication that should pull the copper from her body. It's pretty aggressive. Um, we'll see how she does as far as getting sick and losing hair and things like that. But we hope to get her copper values down uh, with this medication. Um, we also have her now on a home diet, a, a homemade low copper diet, because most of the over-counter dog food is too high in copper. Um, it's not regulated by the FDA, right? Uh, now, right, all dogs need some copper, uh, but sometimes the amount in kind of typical kibble or, you know, hard dog food is just too much, especially for dogs with this copper accumulation problem. So thanks to all of you that reached out about Jaeger. We'll continue to report... Uh, with the idea that we might help someone else uh, with maybe a, a similar, you know, dog issue. If this comes up elsewhere, you'll maybe at least be familiar with it. Uh, my wife and I just have done a lot of homework and learned about it. Um, but caveat here, right? I'm not a veterinarian, so do consult with your vet um, and don't take anything I'm noting here as specific medical advice. We hope everyone was safe during the cold and snow that drove deep into southern areas uh, more than normal. We heard and, and saw pictures of lots of good shooting, so it looks like our forecast hit it pretty well uh, where folks could find open water. Of course, lots of places really froze up like a rock, uh, and birds have kind of hunkered down in wherever they can find locations. But it does sound like, I mean, coastal areas... Um, deeper, you know, into the south along the Gulf Coast and the southeast coast really got into some ducks this week, which is what we would have expected is a, a really strong push to try to get away from those icy conditions. As a reminder, we produce the only duck migration forecast available. All other migration reports are just that. They're reports. They tell you where ducks were yesterday or very often last week. We use mathematical models to forecast duck migration each week from October to January for the central Mississippi and Atlantic flyways. We drop episodes each Monday morning for the next week so you know you know, you know what days are best to hunt fresh ducks. So let's first this week track down why it got so cold last week and into this weekend throughout much of the country. As noted in earlier episodes, a polar vortex disruption is what can bring us long-term cold events, but a stretched polar vortex is simply a way for the planet's warm and cold spots to equilibrate. That said, we haven't had a true polar vortex disruption yet this year. A little bit of dog barking there as my wife got home from the gym, right? So we haven't had a polar vortex disruption yet this year, but a series of three stretched polar vortexes that will likely strengthen the polar vortex again in the coming week and kind of hold cold air far to the north. Again, a polar vortex disruption is when the jet stream gets wobbly and cold air flows for long periods of time into certain areas of North America often kind of the eastern U.S., east of the Mississippi River and towards the Atlantic coast. But given that we have strong and warm westerly and southwesterly winds um, in a similar jet stream because it's an El Nino year, the polar air has typically been kept in a tighter rotation around the poles this year more so than, than normal. So what is a stretched polar vortex? It kind of sounds made up, right? 
In simplest terms, it's a temporary push of cold air to the south caused by warmer air rushing towards the poles off the west and east coasts of North America. As the northern hemisphere winter sets in, which is largely caused by the change in the angle of the sun hitting the earth, the U.S. and Canada, the United States and Canada, just naturally cool. However, given that the surface temperatures of the planet's oceans were at record temperatures throughout last year, the planet the planet basically still has to figure itself out. So that warm air rushes towards the poles where there's colder air at irregular intervals, which equilibrates and then settles back into the typical rotational pattern of cold air at the poles. So when that warm air moves north, it basically squeezes the jet stream for a short period of time in a bubble or stretched portion of the polar vortex temporarily pushes down into the U.S., the greater the difference in temp, you know, greater differences in temperature from the poles to the equator, the bigger that stretch tends to be. So even on really warm years like this year, we can have cold events like we just did. It's why climatologists note that, that weather whiplash or this really cold, then really warm, then really cold, and then really warm is more likely with a warming planet. So that's also why this wasn't a full-blown long-term cold event. So that said, we're going to jump right into the migration forecast for this week and then talk telemetry uh, of mallards a little bit at the end. The prediction by the Foul Weather Podcast is that the last time that ducks will likely make any new major move south was just this past Saturday when north winds and high weather severity index values continued. But why is this the last time, right? First, winds are really going to be from the south, as most of us in the U.S. warm through the coming week. Also, as previously noted, you know, days have only been getting longer since the equinox in December. And at some point in the winter, the only way ducks are going to go is back north, right? Behaviorally, they're just really getting tuned into thinking about heading back to the breeding grounds. When I did my doctoral research on sea ducks on the north shore of Lake Ontario, once we hit about the last week of January, it seemed no matter how brutal conditions got on those ducks, the numbers really stayed stable through the rest of winter until that weather broke in March when we saw large influxes overnight of ducks from the south and a complete change in the composition of species as well. This is why we don't have seasons really that run into February, why we don't have hunting seasons that run into February, because biologically, you know, you are starting to really shoot ducks when they're in that spring pattern more so than even, I'd say, a few weeks earlier in January. All right, so that thaw, pretty much today, Monday that is, Wherever your ducks are at is where they're going to be at. They, they're going to make regional movements and bounce around looking for good food and refuge, but not likely any major movements south anymore. So that said, hunting the thaw and with good rains coming, there's really good opportunity to have some great hunts this week and, and for the rest of the season, right? Um, really good news. Estimates are that Jackson, Mississippi is going to get three plus inches of rain from Tuesday through Saturday and the same for Charlotte, North Carolina, but that'll be like Tuesday through Sunday. So watch for that sheet water and temporary flooding that ducks are going to take advantage of. And they're going to act, um, these, these birds as they reshuffle and such are going to act like fresh ducks this week as they get on food resources again. By Saturday, the snow line melts all the way back to the Southern Iowa border 
and then a line, then kind of like a, a straight line across to Chicago and, and Detroit. So this is a, a major thaw for sure through, uh, through this week and into the coming weekend. That said, ice thickness, um, and if it has snow on top of it to insulate that ice, that will affect how quickly you thaw, uh, kind of thaw out, right? For those of you that aren't familiar, like one of the things we don't like with ice fishing is a lot of snow on top of the ice because it insulates it um, and actually stops it from, from building ice. Like really calm nights without wind, um, no snow events, and real cold are what ice fishermen look for. Because if you get like a little bit of tiny amount of ice and then like a foot of snow on top, you just don't build ice as quickly because you're not building it from the top. You're just building it all from the bottom, right? Uh, but on this thaw, our estimates are that any days from Tuesday through Thursday could be great days to hunt. Uh, but after the rain sweep through on Thursday is looking like a definite time to get out. Uh, we do think that, you know, if you wait until the weekend, though, there's might be a good number of ducks that are kind of fed back up and might be more likely to loaf than fly with pretty warm temperatures. Um, so, um, I'll, you know, caveat this, obviously, while being safe and avoiding lightning, I think hunting before and after the rain events that are going to happen from Texas across through the southeast U.S. from Monday through Thursday are all good bets for local ducks, um, local birds that have been hunkered down. Um, that are going to act like like fresh ducks trying to get on new feet uh, new feeds and find some some sheet water with some some food uh, resources there. The slow spot this week could be the Atlantic Flyway as conditions you know here at mid latitudes in the southeast states kind of remain milder than than elsewhere. Uh, but I do think pretty much everyone has a, a similar forecast, a major thaw and rain in the southern states of the central Mississippi and Atlantic Flyway for the coming week, with ducks acting fresh as they shuffle around locally. But, you know, do expect these ducks to start to get stale by the weekend if they've been shot at, right, um, the rest of the week. So good luck out there and keep the reports coming back to the Fall Weather Podcast. We really appreciate them and like to see and, and hear how folks are doing throughout uh, throughout the central Mississippi and Atlantic flyways. All right, some real brief uh, telemetry talk here. I myself, have I've published with colleagues on telemetry implant units as well as backpacks. Um, I've worked with implants in, in bluebills um, and backpacks with mallards and black ducks, right? I haven't done as much work as, as others have. There's been a lot of really, really good work in Tennessee and Arkansas recently as well as Michigan, you might have heard on other podcasts. I don't name names on this. Um, you know, if I have folks as guests, obviously I will, but I kind of try to give recognition to them in a, in a vague manner. Um, but I try to avoid naming, naming names for the most part as far as who's, who's done what. So we just kind of give generally what the findings were, some interpretation, and how it relates to the, the Foul Weather podcast, right? So... Uh, I largely haven't gotten into the telemetry stuff because I kind of recognize the limitations for some of the questions um, that we try to answer. But these uh, these uh, telemetry units that track birds, uh, you know, from space or by logging GPS locations and then using cell towers to relate that, they, they do have a ton of utility as well. So, you know, just in brief here, um, there's likely survival impacts, so attempting to understand demographic rates such as annual survival and, you know, maybe even nest, nest propensity or likelihood of nesting as well as nest success, these might not be the greatest metrics because it's not like putting these units, implanting them in a bird or putting them on their backs doesn't have some type of effect, right? 
you know, what we teach everybody about this type of stuff is every single time you mark an animal, um, it has some type of an effect. It's whether it has enough of an effect to really kind of, you know, bias your results that, that ends up being the question. But right now there are several folks testing out the effects of transmitters and there's going to be a lot more information coming out uh, in the literature on this soon, right? So use of backpack telemetry, say, on mallards and black ducks has really great utility for understanding within-season movements and habitat selection, and in some cases for understanding, you know, long-distance migration patterns as well. Uh, the units that most of us are using nowadays log GPS points and then download them to a cell tower um, when that cell tower is in range. So as long as your duck is traveling near a cell tower, you're all set, right? You can also get data back from a transmitter if it goes out of cell range, and then the solar panel continues to keep the unit charged. It continues to log locations, and then it comes back into cell tower range. But in some cases, these units kind of never come back online to download those data for you, right? So if you have 100 ducks um, that go into, say, the boreal forest, and only 30 of those come back online, you really you really can't use those data from those 30 alone because you have no idea if they're representative of all 100, right? Um, likely not representative since the ones you got information from all survived to re return south and, you know, start sending signals again. So you can't really know or even make assumptions about what those other 70 did. For this reason, kind of the local locations and even understanding spring migration information might be great, but it gets much more difficult to use data thereafter, right? It's not impossible, um, but it's going to include a lot of assumptions, right? Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So a really great study I'm going to reference here, which also pertains to the utility of the weather severity index, um, as well as tuning into the fall weather podcast to know when fresh ducks that are susceptible to being shot are arriving. Um, a telemetry study in Arkansas that marked 109 mallards in late fall found really what I would call extreme avoidance of public hunting areas. And in these birds, these mallards use sanctuaries, right? That is... Once guns start going off, ducks that are there tend to find safe places really, really quickly. Uh, I'm certainly not digging into this paper in a lot of depth here, um, but the authors go on to note uh, it towards the end, because we captured most mallards in late fall, it is possible that our findings may not be representative of mallards that arrive later in winter. And, you know, we find this really interesting at the Fall Weather Podcast, right? Because if we're killing ducks into winter, but... You know, these ducks that were marked in late fall used extreme caution and avoided hunting areas, then we must be killing fresh ducks that come in from the north um, that don't know, you know, yet what's what's safe places and what's a what's a duck hole where there's where there's guns sitting. Right. This is really similar to prior telemetry studies throughout the U.S. and Canada that have shown that opening day mortality is far greater than the days after, right? Once once ducks learn where guns are at, then they get really hard to kill uh, very soon after. 
the interpretation here is really a plug for the fall weather podcast and why our forecast really works and our weather severity index really works is, you know, to find out when fresh ducks are going to be showing up in your area, right? Heck, this year is an example. It finally took this last week's weather to finally get a good bunch of fresh ducks to arrive. You know, of course, there's other factors like this week's thaw where ducks are going to are going to shuffle around quite a bit to meet energy needs for the rest of season. And then, you know, once they fatten up again and, and get get what they need back in their bellies and fat on their uh, on themselves, you know, they're going to kind of start to coast towards spring. All righty. Good luck out there, my friends. The Fowl Weather Podcast forecasts fresh ducks. Spread the word about us. We produce the only duck migration forecast available. Ducks are going to move. They're going to migrate. Follow us to find out when and where. Remember to share, follow, and rate us for free. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and Instagram. We also appreciate it if you take the time to rate the Follow Weather Podcast, and we thank you very, very much for your support. Also, look us up on the web at foulweather.co, where you can find episode links, recipes, and additional information on how to support the Follow Weather Podcast. We are the forecast to your next successful hunt. Thanks for listening, and as always, may your skies be filled and shoot straight, my friends. 